God allows the impossibility. Sometimes he causes us to wait so that we can confront the impossibility of the task so that we can come to the end of ourselves. I'm reminded of a passage. Remember the story in Jesus' life? It's a fun story where Jesus comes to the bank of the Galilee and there was a, there was a young, uh, uh, he's identified as a ruler by the name of Jairus who meets Jesus. And when Jesus gets out of the boat, Jairus says this to him, Jesus, my daughter is at death's door. Will you come with me to heal her? And Jesus agrees. So they set out on a journey to go to Jairus' house. And as they do, they have to go through a, a little town. And as they're going through a town, there's a lady in that town the Bible describes as having a problem. She had an issue of blood. It was referred to as she had a, she had a hemorrhage that had, had existed for 12 years that had rendered her unclean. She couldn't be around her family. She couldn't be around her friends. She was poverty. She had spent all she had, the Bible said, on doctors. And, and her condition got worse worse and worse and there was no hope for her and in the midst of it she thought to herself if I can just weasel my way through this crowd and touch the hem of Jesus's garment I think I could be made well of this illness that I have doctors can't fix but I believe he can so she does she goes through the crowd throngs of people Jarius has almost got Jesus by the arm dragging him through in a rush to get to his daughter who is critically ill and this woman weasels her way through the crowd reaches out without anybody even notices it and touches the hem of Jesus's garment and her faith brought results because the Bible says immediately she was made well and she knew it and then Jesus does the unthinkable in Jairus's mind. He stops. And Jairus is thinking, oh no, oh no, oh no, you can't stop. We, my daughter's dying. Jesus stops and he turns around and says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? There are people everywhere. Everybody's touching you. And Jesus, no, no, no. There was a person that touched me. It was different. And his eyes began to scan the crowd until his eyes caught her eyes and she knew he knew and she stepped forward and Jesus, as he looks at her, she said, tells his story. I touched the hem of your garment and I was made well. And, and, and the encounter that they had was an amazing parenthetical story in the middle of this story. And, and, and everybody was excited to hear it except for Jairus, who had to wait. And then his waiting became a nightmare because as he turned finally to get Jesus to move forward, he turns to see his own servants from his house approaching with news he did not want to receive. Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your, your, your little girl's dead. Jesus waited just long enough for the impossible to happen. And Jairus loses all hope at that moment. His eyes drop, his countenance drop, his heart drops, and Jesus stops. And I could just see in my own mind's eyes, Jesus take Jairus' head in his hands and lifts it to look at him. And he says this, Jairus, don't be afraid. You believe. God lets us sometimes get to a place of impossible so that he can show us that what is impossible for us is not for him. Wait, 
the impossibility of the task begins to well. But not just that. I think it was also a time of confrontation, just as it was for Jarius. This is a time of decision. Don't be afraid. You look at the impossible situations and you allow fear to rule your life. And you become a slave to fear. Don't be afraid. Jarius, your job is to trust me. You see, during this same period of time, when God says, wait, what does Joshua do? He sends spies into the land. Forty years earlier, Moses sent spies into the land, and the land, the spies came back with an unfaithful report that these people are big and strong and have fortified cities, and there's no way that we can win against them. And the people chose to follow their fear rather than place their faith in God. And this time, Joshua confronts it again to say, you know what? you got to make a new decision. He sends spies in the land, and this time the spies come back and say, God's already given them into our hands. And here Joshua says, okay, guys, I want you in this waiting moment to make up your mind. Are you going to trust God or not? This is impossible, but do you got to get your eyes off the swelling waters. This is what Joshua knew. God has already given us the land. God's going to get us across. I don't have to worry about how we get across. That's not my job. My job is to trust him and put my eyes on him. And the third thing that happens is this, in those waiting times, not only a time of confrontation for, for us to return either to the faithless report of our fathers or to, to step out in faith and, and move forward trusting, but it was also a time of separation. In chapter 2, we find an interesting twist in the story. You see, when Moses was alive, as they came to this place, Two and a half of the 12 tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh, when they got to the banks of the Jordan River, got to looking around, and it was kind of fertile on that side, and they thought, you know what? We like it here. We, we kind of like it here in the wilderness. You know, I've just kind of got a wilderness heart, and, and I know the promised land's on the other side, and I know there, there's, you know, vineyards over there, and there's, you know, wine presses and everything, that's, and there are cities that we can have, and, but I, we kind of like it over here. And so they decided that they would stay there. And they came to Moses and they said, we want to stay over here. We don't want to go to the promised land. And Moses gets angry. And he gets so frustrated, like, what in the world are you guys talking about? How in the world could you come? And then he even goes further and says this, how could you turn your back on your brothers? Because you know that when we cross over the Jordan, there's battles that have to be fought. And you guys want to sit over here and let us fight those battles over there. You're going to turn your back on your brothers. And so what Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh tribe do is they say, no, 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 no. We'll go with you. When the time comes, we will cross over Jordan. We'll fight battles beside you. But when we have conquered the land, we want to come back on this side of Jordan. And we want to live over here. And, and, and so Moses ultimately says, okay, you can do that. This waiting time, I think, was a time of separation. It was a time for Joshua to come back to Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh and say, you remember your forefathers made a promise. You, you guys said that if you could stay here, you would fight with us there. Now's the time. 
are you going to cross over and fight with us now? And they agreed to that and, and demonstrated that they were willing to. But you know what I think this shows us? I think this shows us that God lets us choose our level of experience. I think what we learn here is that God never forces us to walk into victory or into fullness. God says this, if you want to live in the wilderness, you can. You can choose to say on this side of the Jordan if you want. And you know what's amazing to me? <laughs> A lot of us have chosen to do that. Even though we cross over and fight on the other side. There are some of you that come to church every Sunday. You're faithful. You come to church. You even teach Bible study. You work in Sunday school. You are among the few that literally take your income and offer a tithe of your income to the Lord. But Sunday afternoon, after all of our experience is done, you walk right back across the Jordan River and you live defeated lives in your own strength and in your own power. And on Sunday morning, you cross back over and you fight the fight. But you choose to live in the wilderness, defeated. Instead of walking in the victory that God has provided for you, maybe because you don't want to embrace the discipline required, but staying in the wilderness is an option. Tragically, Later on, you know the first ones who are defeated and carried away by Assyria are Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh because of the barren position that they were in. Well, the final thing that I want you to notice is this. Not only does God say your diet's got to be right if you're going to go into the land because you got to be strong because you got an enemy. You better know the word, buddy. You better have it in your heart because... That's the thing that will sustain you. That's the thing that will help you win. That's the thing that will allow you to walk in victory. you got to know that there will be times in your life that God says stop, and he's going to bring you face-to-face -face with impossible situations to challenge you to trust him alone. Will you trust me alone? And there are going to be times when God finally says, hey, the third step is a new dedication. There's got to be a dedication. The third thing Joshua says in verse 5 of chapter 3, consecrate yourselves because God's going to do wonderful things tomorrow. So now let's get our heart ready for what God is about to do. The last time the nation of Israel was told to consecrate themselves was when Moses was about to go up on the mountain in Exodus chapter 19. He was about to go up on the mountain and receive the Ten Commandments. And he said to the people, consecrate yourself so that you can hear God's voice when he speaks. The word consecrate literally means to purify yourself. It, it, it carries the idea of sanctify. It means to set apart. The thought is for us to make sure in my own terms that we are close and clean so that we can have access to God's power and God's presence. It means that we deal with our sin. 1 John 1.9 says that 
If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it means that in that daily quiet time, we deal with our personal sin and say, God, here it is. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, make my heart right with you. I consecrate myself to you. I commit myself to you again today. It's a daily decision that we make. The old dedication that they made years ago wouldn't work today. Your old dedication's gone. Today is a new day of dedication and consecration. In Exodus chapter 19, as a part of the consecration process, God, Moses says to the people, wash your clothes. Now that was an interesting command because water was hard to come by. Washing clothes wasn't something that people did every day then like they do now. They didn't take baths every day like we do now. They didn't have access to that. And for God to say, I want you to take water in this moment and wash your clothes. Ultimately, he's saying this. I want to make sure that when you consecrate the inside, the outside matches. It matters the way you live your life. I want you to commit your heart to God and then bring your lifestyle in keeping with the commitment that you have made to God and let your behavior match your commitment. I wish I could give you an easy route. I guess I'll just have to suffice to say I can give you a safe one. If we're going to know the fullness of God, we've got to make preparation in our diet, and it's gonna require that you make a commitment to spend time with God and in his word and in prayer every day. It means that you are willing to wait and confront the impossible and trust the God on the other side, and that you're willing to commit yourself once again afresh and anew to him. Hmm. I guess it brings me to this place with some questions. Is it possible that you have settled in the wilderness rather than stepped into the abundance? Does your heart really want more? Do you deep in your spirit long for the fullness of a vibrant relationship with him? Do you want the much more of abundance that he offers? Well, to be ready to let Jesus lead us into the victory, we've got to come to him daily. We've got to wait on him until we see that he alone is our hope and answer. And we've got to confess our sin to stay close and clean Get ready, because God will do wonders in your life tomorrow when you make that commitment today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this story that allows us to kind of see how things work to stand here and look back and see what you were doing in the heart of the nation of Israel. And it reminds us of what you want to do in our heart as well. There are many in this room that have the desire 
But Father, we struggle in the discipline. Would you give us the courage as you told Joshua to embrace the courage, the strength, the fortitude to say yes. And help us prepare, God, because I know you want to do wonderful things, wonders among us. For those that may not know you as Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they would come to receive you as Savior and Lord and, and recognize the abundant life you're calling them to as well and the forgiveness and grace that is available. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.